we continuing the Path to the Just series. Last week, I ended uh, with the reasons, the obstacles that a person has between him and Hashem. And mainly the entire lecture was around laziness, even though in the last 10, 15 minutes I spoke about different kinds of things. But in general, the lecture was around a laziness when a person gets to a point that it cannot do even one little thing. His laziness, basically, it's like handcuffs. It's, that's it. He got to a situation, not because it's not the truth, not because he has a doubt, not because he doesn't understand that he has to do it. He knows 100% what needs to be done, but he got to a point that his laziness is so heavy that he cannot do anything. And uh, today, I would like to continue. Uh, we are in chapter 9 now. Uh, we'll do it briefly, and then we move on. It's still speaking about a person that who is in love with pleasure. Searching for pleasure, striving for pleasure. I have a lecture in my website, it's called Striving for Pleasure. Striving for pleasure. Why I, I remember this lecture than all the other hundreds? Because one time I got an email from a Chinese man from Singapore that somehow, you know, there's no accidents in life. You know, every accident has a, a source behind it. So uh, he somehow in the internet found, he was searching for something, and he found that lecture, Striving for Pleasure. A Chinese man. And he's, out of curiosity, started to listen. And then, you know, one thing leads to another. Then he listened to a few other lectures and his wife. And as we speak now, in Singapore, they are converting right now, officially. They had a boy, they named him Yosef, Yosef Hong, in Singapore. <laughs> yeah. And they finally, Baruch Hashem, you know, converting. Of course, Orthodox conversion and moving to Israel, to Jerusalem. Striving for pleasure. Something good came out of pleasure. <laughs> How long till it since he heard the video? Yeah, we're talking at least six months since it started. Yeah. And Baruch uh, Hashem, so it's very interesting because he sent me, I think, on Friday. You know, they are one day ahead of us over there. Like, so that this week it's going to take place. So now we are now Monday night here. By then it's already, I think, Tuesday night there. Probably could, could have happened already. Or maybe tomorrow morning. I don't know. But it's happening. Baruch Hashem, it's happening. Uh, all right. So let's move on. So requesting, the Ramchal writes, requesting the rest, the physical rest, like what we call in America vacation. Look, check if I'm right or wrong. Every lawyer, every doctor you know, every professional, let's not say who, every professional, try to call them every two weeks. One time they're there, one time they're on vacation. One time they're there, one time they're on. It seems to me that every two weeks people take vacation in this country, somehow. Uh, why? It's too much for them to walk two weeks straight. Three weeks is already a nightmare, you know. So people are searching for pleasure. Let me rest, let me lay on my yacht, the sun, an hotel, by the pool. Who needs to work? The love for laziness 
the feeling of doing nothing is greater than the love for money, because it's contradiction. When a person goes on vacation, it's costing him not only what the vacation costs, what he's losing in his business, no? Unless if it's paid vacation, I don't know. If they get paid, that's, then I understand. So the Ramchal say, a person like this that love pleasure and love all the all kinds of things that life has to offer, physical world. A person like this obviously doesn't have time for Hashem. Every little thing it's so heavy for him. To put fill in is one ton for him to pick up. Why? So addicted to the pleasure. All this illusion of enjoying the moment. Well, of course, what do you expect from him? To get up in the morning and come to the shul for one hour? It doesn't uh, go together. If a person got used to it, he is not only is not a master of himself, he is the biggest slave. If somebody asks you who is a slave, a person who has no discipline in his life, which means laziness, the world of material took control of his life which means he's not the boss of his, of his uh, choices anymore. He can't choose anymore. It's all known in advance. Sometimes you have, you know, you, you give an assignment in a house. You have, let's say, I don't know, 10 kids. And you always know which one would hide or would find an excuse. You already know in advance because you see the nature of a person. Everybody comes, clean, arrange. That one, that particular one, always find a reason why he cannot do, or he has to run, or he disappeared for 10 minutes. He always know how to show up when the job is over, you know? Or, or find himself an easier job, or pretend he cleans, he push it under, the, under the, the, the sofa. You already know. You know who you're dealing with. Same thing in life. Every boss knows who's a good worker and who just wait until it's going to be 5 o'clock and they can run home. So people like this, it's obviously very difficult for them to be religious, very difficult. But a person must understand that the reason he came to this world is to work very hard. The harder he works, the better it is for him. If he doesn't work, then he did not achieve his mission in life. This is the way of the Torah. You have to be ready, if you have to, to eat bread with salt, and you should be happy with that. No complaints. That's what God wants me to eat. I'm ready for the mission. No problem. No sushi, no pizza, no steaks, no problem. Stale bread, a little salt, very good. That's what I have. Thank God for that. That's a, a switch in psychology. You have to make a switch that one day you can eat a delicious steak, $80 a piece, and the next day they put you in Israel, it's coming, why? They take the rich people, they live in a beautiful mansion on the beach in Herzliya Pituach, three, four million dollar mansion with a servant from Thailand or from Zimbabwe. And then they, they call to the reserve. They have to go to the army. They put them in Sinai, portable bathroom, sand flying in the air, Horrible uniform, 5,000 people wore them before, short, long, smells, smells like bleach. They stand with a little rifle, you know, some Arabs, Bedouin, on camels around. From his mansion, the next day, what is he eating? Loof, meat in cans, 
5,000 years old. <laughs> From the time of Abraham. You open the can, if you're still alive, it's already Shecheyano you have to wait. <laughs> Just that you didn't die. That's what they do. What do you think? It's only in Israel. I don't think there's another place in the world. Because the wealthy people of America, all these CEO, all these executives, they're not, they're not going in Iraq in a portable bathroom and clean the bathrooms over there. And in Israel, you can be a, a big boss. You have 300, 3,000 employees. They call you to the reserve. You can clean the kitchen. You can be a, you can be a cook if you did not bribe the right people to let you go. You understand? But this is it. But this is a very good thing. It's good discipline for life to remind you that life is not the beautiful mansion and the breeze next to your pool. There are more into life. You'll be ready to drink water from whatever it's going to be, ready to sleep on the floor. If you're going to somewhere, they don't have beds, they give you a mattress on the floor. It doesn't matter who you are. No problem, it doesn't bother you. I'm ready to do whatever it takes. Remember the rule, Hashem does not request from a person more than he can do. So if you are in this position in life, that means you can do it, piece of cake. All you have to do is mentally understand it's for your own good and everything will be easy. When you don't understand it's for your own good, you feel very bad. Bad luck, why me, why this mattress? Why this room? Why there's no AC? Why, why, why? 5,000 whys, of course you cannot do it. When a person understands everything is for good, then everything becomes easy. Then, you should know also one other rule. When a person eats now, right? He's hungry, he's very hungry. He finished four or five slices of bread. He's full now, that's it. If you want, you want him to eat, he can eat, he vomits. From now, up to certain moment is pleasure to eat. From now on, it becomes a torture. The same thing. Up to now was delicious. Now you vomit. That's how you can eat. Oh, now you're beginning to suffer. The more they stuff to you, the more you suffer. So this desire is a temporary desire. It's on and off. <coughs> but the rule is like this. Well, this is the way the rule is. That the more a person is running to fulfill his desires, the hungrier he gets. That's completely the opposite of what people think. Everyone thinks the more girls I'm going to have, the more I'm going to be relaxed. Well, I have this girlfriend, that girlfriend, I'm going to make that scene, and that scene, and that, and that. Then it's going to be fine. The opposite. He becomes addicted and he loses control of his life. He's messed up his entire life. And he never get to a level that he say, you know what? I'm happy with my situation. The opposite. He always become crazier and crazier. Same thing, delicious food. Not food. Food in general, fine. You can be stuffed with that. That's it. I'm done with that. Six hours, leave me alone. Delicious food. The more you run after delicious food, the more you want. There's no end to it. Jewelry. It starts with a $500 jewel and it gets to 5 million and 50 million even. There's no end to it. Antique, same thing. Starts with little things you buy in a market, in a flea market, and when you can afford, it goes to crazy things. Like some woman bought a little garbage statue for $104 million. I don't want to say her name. One time I say her name, people wanted to kill me. She's a very important uh, person in a community. 
$104 million burned on a lousy statue that I promise you if you see it on the street, you won't pick it up. <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. If you see how ugly the statue is, why did she pay $104,000? Because this statue has a status, it's a name. Some crazy artist made it, so ah, everyone that will come to me, there's two things here, show off that I bought the most expensive art object ever, that's one thing, so it's a show off. The same thing in the weddings, why the wedding has to be a million dollar wedding? Who cares, for two, three hours, it's gonna be the best whiskey. I went to some fancy uh, event somewhere here in Long Island. So, you know, they have a bar that they serve you drinks. You know, I want to drink something, you eat. So I came to the bar, and one guy that knows me said to the barman, give him uh, the blue label whiskey. Because he was about to give me the black label, not that I know that much. So I told him, no, no, give me the other one. <laughs> so the, the bartender didn't understand how a person wants the cheapest one, if it's for free. So I told him, I tell you the truth, it's a shame to waste it on me. <laughs> I can't tell the difference. What do I care? $40 for me, it's like 250 Give it to someone who knows to appreciate this nonsense. You understand the point? But for them, wow. It makes them so happy that the label is this and that, whatever. If there is a difference, sometimes it's all psychological, the difference. I don't know, if maybe there is, I don't know. Anyway, so it's becoming an addiction. There's really no end to it. And it's all false, it's all emptiness. So the Ramchal say, a person has to use his clever mind to the right positive things in life, not for nonsense. There's a limit to how much you can think and do. At least you use these limits to focus on the right thing. The right order is melech. A person has to be a king of his desires. I'm controlling them, they're not controlling me. How, what does it mean melech? Mem, lamed, chaf. Mem, it's moach, lamed, it's lev. Chaf, it's kaved. Brain. Below that, the heart, and below that, the liver. What's the liver? The desire, the blood. And the heart, the evil inclination. And the brain, the master of the body. If the master is above the desire, then you are a king. If it's the other way around, the desire set where you're going to go and how you're going to behave, you are klum. Melech, the opposite. What is it? Chaf, lamed, mem, klum, nothing. Nothing. You understand? That's really a big secret here. Then, then, most people when they come finally to pray, from the minute they enter the shul, usually it takes five minutes, not right away. Five minutes they enjoy. After five minutes they begin to, to look at the clock, at their watch, No, when it's gonna end already. I just settled down. Shabbat, oof, again, Mishaberach, again, another Aliyah, another Bar Mitzvah, oof, I'm tired. Now, when the davening end, finished, what does he do? Stand for 20 minutes talking. It wasn't really in a rush anywhere. Well, anyway, his wife, by the time she set the table and this, by the time the guests would show up, he cannot start before 11.30 anyway. 
So what's the rush? No, it's laziness. Doesn't want to pray, doesn't want to read, doesn't want to do anything. Sometimes you look at the kids, they sit in front of the book and they don't read one word. And the Torah says, Someone who makes his prayer long, clear, slow, his life become longer. He was supposed to live 70, he would live 75. Right? You have time for me, I have time for you. I keep you around, no problem. there's no problem for me. Then... I want to ask you a question. You know, in a prayer, we say, Baruch Atah Hashem, Rofech Ole Amo Yisrael. Why we say this bracha? Baruch, bless you, God, the doctor of the Sikhs of the nation of Israel. <coughs> Why? He's not the doctor of the Goyim also. If a Goy is sick, he's not curing him, God cure the Goy. If the dog is sick, if God wants to cure him, he's the one who can cure him. Nobody else can. So why we specifically say, bless you, God, that you are our nation's doctor? Why, why it's going on here? The answer is, many people are mistaken thinking we are talking about the physical health. We are not talking about the physical health here. We're talking about the health of the soul, the nefesh. Why? Because we already said about the health of the body. In the beginning, in the beginning of the prayer, we already praise God for being a doctor of all the sick people in general, Jews and non-Jews and animals and everyone. We already thank him for that. So why now we have a specific blessing for that? That's refuat nefesh. This is only with the Torah. There's no way to cure the nefesh, the spirit, without the Torah. No other medicine. Because to cure the spirit is to kill the evil inclination, to depress him, to control him. And the only way to do it, as I explained last week, we spoke a lot about it, is by putting the learning of the Torah to kill the evil inclination, the poison, the spiritual poison that kills me from inside. And always show me the wrong direction and things that I'm not supposed to do or say. So the only way to kill him is with this antibiotic, the spiritual that's called Torah. This is only the nation of Israel has. They have an obligation. Every, to every place you go in the world, there is an obligation to go to school. If kids don't go to school, their parents go to, they, they, they get into trouble. If they find a kid, 7th uh, grade, 8th grade, 9th grade, walking in the street, can get, the parents can get into trouble. Find out the parents don't care, he's on the street, he doesn't go to school, the parents can get into trouble. But once a person is 18, and he's walking in the street. The parents can get into trouble. The person can get into trouble that he's not going to school. If he's 30 and he's not learning, anyone is holding it against him, do whatever you want, what do we care? Just don't be a criminal. Don't hurt us. You want to destroy yourself? No problem, I don't care. Society don't care about you. They care that you don't harm us. So as long as you're quiet and you do you know, nothing harm, it's no problem, but the Torah, the every Jew, even if he's 90 years old, has an obligation to learn just like the kids. There's really no different. If you are 10 years old, 15, or 50, or 100 years old, you have the same obligation to learn Torah. Same obligation. We have the biggest rabbi in the world right now, 102 years old, Rav Yashiv, in fighting between life and death, Hashem Irachem. Already a week, 
going up a little bit, going down, up and down. The whole world is praying for him. If he open up his eyes, Be'ezrat Hashem, what do you think is the first thing he's going to do when he open up his eyes? Right away, ask for a book. Why? He understands what the Rambam wrote. Person, he has two more hours to live. He's still obligated to learn Torah. It's really, this obligation never expire. All the time it exists. All the time. So let's move on. We're moving now into chapter 10. I'm speaking about midata nekiyut. Being a clean person. Clean, what does it mean clean? Clean that you shampoo your head and you're not sleazy and greasy and smelly. That's also a big, big mitzvah. Many Jews do not understand that the body must be always clean. Always. And if you sweat a lot, you have to take showers. If it needs more than once, so you take twice a day. If more, you take five times a day. If you can. If you don't have, you don't have. But if you have a way to be clean and you're not clean, it's a problem. The Gemara says, the president of Israel in the middle of the day runs, run, the student follow him. So where are you running, Rabbi? So I'm running to do a big mitzvah. And they followed him and you see he goes to his house and this. And then he comes out and says, Rabbi, what mitzvah you did? He said, I went to take a shower. That's the mitzvah. Such disappointment. They were so disappointed. They thought, who knows what he's doing in the middle of the day, leaving the yeshiva, running, running home. He made himself a bath and took a shower. Why? Because a person must be always clean. His hair also has to be clean, not to be oily, not to be... Because people that are not clean, usually they're not aesthetic. When they hear, if they have beard, they have to make sure their beard is clean and they don't have all kinds of things sticks to them. And yeah, if they cannot be sloppy, they have to dress normal, not to give anyone reason to say, look at these Jews, how they look. It's enough that one guy would think like this, it's already a big scene in your file. It's called Chilul Hashem. But doesn't that interfere with learning? But doesn't it, if, you, if you're a person who's learning and you're sweating, you still gotta stop learning too? You still have to be clean. Learning is not a contradiction of being clean. All, most people sit and learn, they clean. Wow, what's the, what's the, the opposite? If you learn, in today's environment, you have air conditioned this, you don't really sweat, you sit inside the yeshiva. Mm-hmm. It's nice. The ones who are walking on the street or getting on a bus with their bags in Israel in the humidity of Bnei Brak, they are the ones with extra clothes that suffering the most, not the ones inside buildings. But that's not what we're talking here about. That's a, a separate subject. We're talking now clean from evilness, clean from tra- bad traits, bad personality, clean from stealing, clean from the Shonara, clean from anything negative. That's what the Ramchal is about to talk in chapter 10 in Path to the Just. And this is what he writes. Midat anekiyut, the trait of being clean, is when a person must be clean completely from any bad trait. And from any sin, two things, bad traits, that's very hard to clean, may take seven years, it's very hard work. One time, I I was in, many years ago, I lived in Lower East Side. It's a neighborhood that really, that's where Judaism in America started, right by the port. And there was a man, Alex his name, which was a student, a Talmud of Rav Moshe Feinstein. Zecher Tzadik Livracha, one of the most important rabbis who lived ever in America, maybe the biggest. So 
He, one time he told me that uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein was the president of Agudat Israel, so they write a lot of, uh, today everything is computerized, emails. We're talking in a generation there's no computer. So manually, students from the yeshiva had to go and help his wife to write thank you notes to all the supporters and all the people who helped them. And the rab rabbi was learning. He didn't have time to write thank you. So volunteers, every night, another volunteer comes to help his wife to write manually. I think today can be done in five minutes, but it used to be manual. So he got there at 10 o'clock, and at, 10, at 8 o'clock, and at 10 o'clock exactly, Ramos Feinstein was, he was a very precise person in his life. His schedule was very, very precise. 10 o'clock, he's wearing his pajama and go to sleep. So after two hours, oh, it was almost midnight, they were writing notes, you know. He came out from the room very scared. And he, say, he came to him and said, Alex, Alex, forgive me, please, forgive me. He was very nervous. So Alex said, he told maybe he had a bad dream. What happened, Rabbi? Forgive you for what? He said, no, no, please, forgive me, forgive me. He said, okay, I forgive you, but for what? He said, you coming to do my job, and I went to sleep without telling you thank you and good night. So he told him, why am I telling you this story? So he told him, Rabbi, Rabbi, how did you become such a person? You were born like that? He told him, no, I work very hard on it. He got it out of him. Yeah, humble people, they don't like to brag about themselves. But he didn't leave him alone. He took an opportunity that he felt he owed him something. <laughs> the rabbi, forgive me, forgive me. He said, okay, I forgive you. But tell me, how you became like this? No, no, I wasn't born like that. I worked very hard on it. To correct your bad traits is a very hard work. And that's the, the most important thing in life. The Vilna Gaon wrote, the Gaon Vilna, Tikuna Midot Zekola Adam, correcting the personality of the human being, that's his main mission in life. That's what it's all about. That's what a person is all about. Tikuna Midot. If not that, a person knows the entire Torah by heart. You can come here, it's okay. If a person knows the entire Torah by heart, but he's still speaking Lashon Hara every day, He's still stingy, he's still bragging, he's still angry, he's still lazy, he's still not he's selfish. So what did the Torah do for him? 60, 70 years he learned Torah and in the, in the end he stayed the same person like he was born? What was, his, what was it for? What was it for? It's better that a person would learn a lot less Torah and improve than learn a lot and stay the same sleazy person. What's the question here? Because the whole purpose of the Torah to improve the person. So how is it possible that some people learn Torah and they're not improved? If a person doesn't understand that the most important thing is to change, he will never change. People who think it's okay that I'm angry. One person told me, Rabbi, what do you think? I'm angry all the time. I'm only angry when people get me angry. <laughs> I say, you fool. A person that gets angry when nobody gets him angry is not normal. He has to be hospitalized in a mental institution. Everyone is angry when people make them angry. <laughs> the idea is never to get angry, no matter who is trying to get you angry. Of course, <laughs> if somebody gets you angry and you get angry, of course. So the Ramchal writes, this is what he writes, listen good. Most people, 
they very careful. Today it's not true. This was true 250 years ago. In his time, it was true. Today, it's not true. I promise you, it's not true today. What does it say? Most people, they are very careful from the famous sins, never to do it. Today, you can say such a thing? No. You cannot say today most people are very careful not to make the famous sins. That was good 250 years ago. Today, I'm not so sure. When we investigate that way of that person, we find that everything he allows himself to do, the source of it is desires. Why you brag? You want honor. Why you don't give money? You want the money to buy yourself more fun. Like they say in America, I want to have fun. Why are you lazy? You want to lay down in bed, do nothing. You're, you're enjoying it. Why should you work hard? So everything somehow connects to some kind of a desire. If a person was purified from his bad desires, then these sins will never occur. So really, what's the source of the sins? Not the actual sin. It's the fact that a person never cleaned himself from the negative that he came to the world with. If he would clean this from his system, that, those things that we see every day will never take place. So when, it's like going to the dentist. The, the, your mouth is very swollen. It look like a balloon. So what the denti, a clever dentist knows, I'm going to put ice, I'm going to do this, I'm going to put a special cream on your face. It's going to take the swelling down, fine. But that's not going to take care of the problem. From the outside, it looks like the problem is solved. It's like going to a mechanic and you have a red light, check engine. And what do you do? You disconnected the wire. So now there's no check, but the engine is still going to blow up any minute. That's not solving the problem. Everybody understand you have to go to the root and take care of the problem in the root of the tooth. If not, you'll never fix the problem. You know, we give some medication to make it look better, but the pain is going to always stay. And it's going to keep rising and rising. The swelling is gonna, it's never going to end. It's only going to get worse. Same thing here. What we see, the scenes that we see today, stealing. Where stealing come from? Do you think the thieves really wants to hurt the other person? I promise you. I don't know one thief that when he comes to steal, he enjoyed that the other person suffered to lose his money. If the thief could steal without hurting anyone, every one of them would sign on it. Don't take it personal. I just needed money, and you're the one available to me. It's not that I have anything against you. Believe me, if it would be somebody else, it doesn't matter. Money is money. What's the reason that they steal? They don't believe in God. Emuna. Maybe they used to believe. Now it came down. They forgot. If the emunah would go higher, then they wouldn't steal. Stealing is results of a problem in a root called emunah. Anger, also emunah. Certain things, not learning Torah, laziness. That's the root. You gotta clean it there. Uh, all kinds of uh, 
ego problem, fighting, arguing, fighting with people, putting people down. Go to the root, call honor. People looking for respect. That's where the problem is. Stinginess, not giving, not helping. What is it? Also emuna. Most problems link to the same root, emuna. A person improves his emuna, 90% of his problems in life are gone, if not more. So the Ramchal continues, the Ramchal writes, Nekiyeh Adat Yerushalayim. The people who are clean completely in Jerusalem. This is he's bringing up from the Talmud 2,000 years ago. It says like this. They were, everybody understands that they are careful about making scenes that are famous. Nobody will dare to do it. But it doesn't mean that the person doesn't have desire for these scenes. The desire always exists. So he begins to fight against his evil inclination and control it. He will not change his nature, but he will be able to eliminate temporarily every day. It's a new battle, the desires that he has. But there's a higher level than this. Most people in the world, especially in this generation, Rav Ben-Zion Abba Shaul say an answer to one of his students, and in this generation, nobody can take out the negative from himself. Can only control it if you're lucky, 100%. Nobody would see that you're an angry person. No one, because you control yourself. No one will see that you're lazy, because you force yourself to get up no matter what time you went to sleep, no matter what's the weather outside. Nobody will see that you're very stingy, because whenever people ask you for help, you give. You, you are burning inside, but you're controlling yourself, which is a very, very, very high level. We can only dream about it, us. But there, imagine there's a higher level than this. There's a level that a person that every time he gave a large charity was burning from inside can get to a situation that not only is not burning, he's enjoying like the best pleasure in life. He changes nature. It's like taking a leopard and making him a puma, black puma. That's what the Navi says. Is it possible that a black person flip his skin around and he became white? Today, yes. Some people did. But uh, 2,500 years ago, this is just an expression that the same way a black person cannot turn into white and the leopard cannot turn into something smooth, this is just an example. But today, it's not realistic anymore. The level of the generation, so let's hope that we'll die from this world one day when we can say in our trial, you know me, God, I was stingy, but I forced myself to be generous. I was very angry, and I forced myself to be very calm and never showed anger to anyone. I was very lazy. Look how much I went against my nature. I was very selfish. Look how, what a great Baal Chesed I was. Believe me, you'll be in the highest level in Olam Abba. If we get to this point, the problem today is, remember, that people do not isolate the right target, the right direction. If you don't know your destination, you can never find the right direction for it. You don't know where you're aiming. Nobody understands what they live for, Bichlal. Even the religious people, like robots, get up, come to shoot, fill in, sit, sit, reading from the Siddur, go, business, that, a little bit learning morning, night. 
But where is your direction in life? In any other thing, people have directions in life. One guy wants to be a guitar, a rock and roll guitar player. Thousands of hours he practiced with his guitar, because that's his dream. He gives up sport, he gives up women, he gives up work, he gives up money, because he has a target in life. I want to be the best guitar player in the world. He maybe make it, maybe not. But he has a chance to make it, because he knows where he wants to get. One person wants to be a very big surgeon. He puts all his life into that. There is a high chance to succeed, even if he's not the most talented person, because he knows where he's heading to. But the problem is that when it comes to the most important thing in life, nobody knows their destination, which is spirituality. This is what we live for. Eh, guitar, this, that, it's really not important, all these things. Money, not money, doctor, not doctor. This is all temporary, it will fly by night. There is eternal destination that you can either get there or, or God forbid you fail. When it comes to the most important thing, people don't care, don't seem to rush to set a destination and to begin to work to that direction. Almost nobody. Ask every average person, what is your goal in life? To get married, to have children, to make money, to be able to pay my bills. Every guy has the same thing in life. What makes you special? You know, you're the son of God. He works with the yamaka, this, that, fine. Every guy has the same dream. What, you know a guy that doesn't want to get married? That doesn't want to have children? That doesn't want to pay his bills? What does it have to do with religion? What does it have to do with spirituality? Nothing. What is your main thing in life? Why, why do you think God put you here? To watch basketball, Super Bowl, all this nonsense. For that you came to the world. So the Ramchal continue. He says like this. David Amelech, King David, wrote in Psalms 26, verse 6, Erchatz benikayon kapai. I clean myself very well. When I am finally clean, it's not talking his body, of course. When I'm finally going to be clean, I'm going to have the merit to circle the altar of God. Only someone who's completely clean from sins deserves to see the spirit of the king, which is God. Other than that, he has to hide from embarrassment, from all the dirt that he has around his soul. As Ezra Sofer, Ezra, why his name is Ezra Sofer? What does it mean, Sofer, in Hebrew? Sofer has two meanings. One, rider. Takes a feather and writes tefillin, writes mezuzah, writes sefer Torah, writes letters. That's called Sofer, writes books. That's called Sofer. But Sofer it means also counting. Which one of the two Ezra is? A rider with a feather? Or counter, someone who counts. He has a title, Ezra, the counter. Which one of the two is? The counter. No, what's so special about counting? Big deal. Everyone counts on the street. People count the money. No, in 47th Street. I used to have a boss 22 years ago. Piles of money like this, barely like this. Every time he used to count money, I used to wait how he starts. Before he starts, he goes like this. <laughs> and begin, all day, counting money. 
died age 40. No, so Ezra, what's special about him, that every chapter you show him, any word you ask him in a Torah, he will tell you how many times it appears in a chapter, right away. The ability, his brain had an ability that one, one in a billion has, maybe. That's why his name was Ezra Sofer. So this is what he wrote. A person like this that knew the entire Torah by heart, Without any doubt, he started the movement of coming to build the second temple. And this is what he wrote, Ezra chapter 9, verse 7. Elohai, my God, boshti venichlamti learim panai elecha. My dear God, I'm so ashamed and embarrassed to raise my face up towards you. Anyone here ever felt that feeling? Ate pork, he doesn't feel it. Mechalel Shabbat, doesn't feel it. Mary Christine, have non-Jewish kids, he doesn't feel it. Eats on Yom Kippur, he doesn't feel it. Steal every day, doesn't feel it. Ezra Sofer, better than any angel you know, felt it. What do we learn from here? Let's see who is clever. The higher you go spiritually, you recognize how zero we are. The less you know, you think you are a big tzaddik. Ah, Rabbi, Ani tzaddik. You know how many times I heard it in the lectures? What do you want from me? Ani tzaddik. I have a lecture in, a, in one of the... One of the lectures, we called it, he's not religious, but he's a good man, but he's a good person. Listen to this lecture, you understand what I'm talking about. Then, the Ramchal writes, comes from the Gemara in Avodah Zarah, chapter 18, I mean, page 18, I'm sorry. It says like this, Averot, Shadam dash be'akevav. There are things that a person walk over it with his heels. It's an expression, in case you didn't understand. Nobody puts the sin under his leg and walk with his boots on it, no? This is an expression of the sins that nobody cares about. Little things. Metila here, my machronim there, a word here, a word there. Ten minutes later, the tefillah. Ah. It's no big deal, Rabbi, don't be fanatic. Those are the sins who will turn the scale to the negative side in a trial. Because they add together. You know the difference between a successful business to a failure business? It's the one who know how to save on napkins and straws and toilet paper and electric. And the one who did not know. Everybody understands that merchandise, you don't want to go to the garbage. Employees, you don't want them to see, do nothing. You don't, you don't bring 10 people to work for you when, you when it's a slow day. You have to know how to manage the business. But every fool knows that. But there are people who don't pay attention to the $10, $5, $3, $7, $2, $5. In the end of the month, it's $7,000 saving. That's the difference between being profitable and being a loser. Same thing in life. Shabbat, 
Today it's not true, I said it already. But at least 250 years ago it was for sure true. Right, Zubal? It's reality in his time. Shabbat, everybody understand you don't play with atomic bombs. Tefillin, you don't play with the, with the bomb here. It's in, everybody understand. Modesty, <laughs> the goyim understand it. We don't understand it. The little things, the little things, that's the killer. So, David Amelech wrote, this is what he says. It says like this, when, when he used to go to the war, he had 100% confidence that everything will work out for him. Why? Because he knew that he's 100% clean. And it says, Hashem will pay me what I deserve. Imagine us. If we come to pray to Hashem, so in Shomea Tfilah, Baruch Atta Hashem Shomea Tfilah, we allowed to add our personal request. Do you know one, one normal person, one Jew in the world, that in the middle of Shomea Tfilah and say, God, please give me what I deserve. I deserve this, I deserve this. Nobody dare to say it. Everybody knows we don't deserve to live. Bichlal. You had my scene of one hour, forget it, I don't know where to hide. Nevertheless, in the entire lifetime, right? But David Amelech was able to say it. It's great. It's not that the person was able to say it. Pay me what I deserve, not more, not less. Just what I deserve, no mercy. He had a, <laughs> a big merit. Hashem paid me exactly what I deserve. But he made few mistakes. And he got for these mistakes in his lifetime. He suffered from his children. The Gemara says all the curses he cursed Yoav came on his children. From here we learn don't curse anybody. Don't curse. Pray to Hashem to make justice, that's, a, that's just what you can do. Not only not to curse anyone, not to say, God will be a judge between me and you. You don't wish him any bad. So you know what, you don't want to pay me, you owe me the money, God will be the judge between us. Don't ever say that. Of course God will be the judge, with or without your statement. I always wonder, these people go up to the Torah, by the Ashkenazim you don't see it, by the Sfaradim it becomes a habit now. Everyone who comes out of the Torah, so they say Baruch Hashem, everyone say Baruch Hashem Amvorach, and then they say Baruch Atah Hashem, Asher Bachar Banu Mikol Amim, everyone say Amen, then they learn, they read, when they finish, he has to say another bracha, so they always say, Emet Toratenu Akdosha. Our, Torah, our holy Torah is true. Thank you very much for confirming. I didn't know for 3,000 years until you came. Such foolishness. Besides the point that it's a problem in halacha, not allowed to stop between one bracha to another, only the laning, and right away to say the bracha. It's a cut. It's besides that problem, but it's such a foolish story. <laughs> Thank you very much. Wow, Moshe Cohen or Yitzhak Levi is confirming now the Torah is holy and it's the truth. Well, what do we need your statement for? So, <laughs> It says like this. 
מי יעלה בהר השם? Who would rise, who will climb in the mountain of God? When the time comes, the Messiah will come, and the world will start getting clean from all the dirt and all the garbage around. Don't be impressed by all these fancy, schmancy things around you. When the truth will come out, none of it will be worth a cent, nothing. All the buildings, all the fancy people, all the nice fancy cars, all the dreams that everyone has. In one second, the whole world will realize that it's worth less than sand. Sand on the floor would worth more. What's going to be? How much you're going to have in your spiritual bank account when the Mashiach will come, when the shofar will be here? That's what counts. You have enough to survive or not? That's what counts. The rest is nonsense. What are you going to say to the Mashiach? No, no, don't clean me. I have a house in Palm Beach. He's <laughs> going to clean you faster than what he, what he wanted. Bichlal. That's what you're telling me? What are you going to tell him? I'm a very hard worker. I go to work at 7 every day. How you impress Mashiach? Christine is a wonderful guy. I convert her by the Reform Rabbi. What are you going to say to Mashiach? I give a dollar tzedakah every day. Who is going to get up in a mountain of God and who is going to be able to stand in a, play, in a holy place? Someone that his hand is clean from stealing and his heart is clean from sins. And we know that we're not there yet. This is very hard. Because the nature of a person is very weak. And his evil inclination is fooling him very easy. And allow him to do things convincing him that it's a mitzvah. He thinks, well, I just did a big mitzvah. For instance, his friend asked him to borrow the car on Friday. Hey, listen, you're religious. You don't use the car. Can I use your car? I need a car. So he lent him the car on Friday. What's his friend did all Shabbat? Drove, went here, went to the beach, drove here, drove to the mall, put gas, pressing the gas, burning, making five million sins on Shabbat. And he thinks, what about chesed I am? I lend my friend the car. You fool, it would be better not to give him the car. Now you gave him the car, you became a partner in five billion sins. What good did you do for him? He doesn't understand, he's destroying himself. You became a partner to the sin. You know, if a guy comes to sell you a stolen merchandise, if a Jew comes to sell it to you, for sure you're not allowed. There's two sins here. And the second one is, Don't set a trap in front of a blind man, because he's going to see it pays to steal. Oh, people pay me cash. Very easy job, I found. That's called Lifnei Verlo, that's his weakness, and you strengthen his weakness. You've, you're drowning him. And second is, you're helping him in his sin. The question is, what happens if a guy comes to you? Buying, buying, here, bracelet, 20 bucks. Stole it from someone, it's worth $500. He wants 40 bucks for it. You're allowed to buy it from the guy or no? Why, well, he will sell it to someone else. He'll sell it, don't worry. He doesn't need you. You're allowed or not allowed? No. If not allowed, why not allowed? 
Because you, from a Jew. Or if it was stolen from a Jew. No, we don't know. The world is mostly goyim. We have to assume that he stole it from a goy. Unless if he has a star David, then you know. But other than that, you always go by the majority. The Jews are one drop of uh, 1% of 1% of 1% of the world. You don't go, ah, it probably was a Jew. No. So the answer is because one of the seven laws of the Gentiles is you should not steal. And the punishment for a guy who steals is worse than a Jew that steals. So by helping him to steal, you're helping him to make God angry. Not allowed. Other things, if the guy does and it's not a sin for him, Sin for you, but not for him. It's, it's already open to an argument. And over here, he's now getting God angry. So you see that God cares what the goyim do. He didn't just bring them to eat rice in China. There's a, there's a reason why they're doing here. They have seven laws. And it's very important. They have heaven and hell for it. If God set a system for the goyim, it means he cares what they do. Not like the Jews, but he cares what they do. And plus, that they also have to keep all the common sense laws, not only the seven laws. Seven laws is like the Ten Commandments for them. We have ten, they have seven. But besides that, they have to respect their parents, even though it's not one of the seven. They have to leave the streets clean, even though it's not one of the seven. They have to be nice people, even though it's not one of the seven. There's hundreds of things like this. This is common sense. Even a dog understands that. You don't understand that you're a human being. So that's his, it's mandatory. There's needless to say. The things that it's the news is that this is the seven commandments for the goyim. That's it. So we are now in chapter 11. Pirtemi data nekiut. The details of how to become clean. There are many, many details. The Ramchal writes. Usually, the even inclination is doing everything he can to make the person sinning. Like this music, for instance. <laughs> and he always show him reasons why it's kosher. Don't worry, you're doing a mitzvah. We spoke about that. And then when he makes the sin, you always tell him, don't believe the rabbi. He's making it up. What do you believe him? He wants to exaggerate for you to wake up. But believe me, it's not even 10% bad as he describes it. Go, I have another rabbi for you. You want? Come, here is his business card. Go, he will allow you everything you want. It's called Rabbi Manoach. Rabbi Manoach. Who was Manoach in the Torah? The father of Shimshon, Samson and Delilah. His father Manoach. The Gemara said Manoach was an ignorant person. Why? He was walking after his wife. A man should not walk after a woman when she climbed the stairs. It's not modest. From here we know he wasn't knowledgeable in Torah. Because every Torah learner knows that today. Even today, it's true. So needless to say, 2,500 years ago. So why Rabbi Manoach? Manoach in a Torah, in a Tanakh, is one word. Mem, Nun, Vav, Chet. But today they make a joke. Rabbi, ma, one word, noach. Ma, it's what? Noach, it's comfortable. Rabbi, ma, noach. What's good for you to do? What do you like? You want to put fill in or not? No, Rabbi, it's too hard for me. No problem, allowed. 
Rabbi, I, I fell in love with this girl. What? Who? Christine. You know, you know, her grand grandparents from this, you know, they, they think they were Jewish, you know, they were in Poland, but they, 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 she remembered that her grand grandfather, the uncle of the, of the cousin, used to kiss the mezuzah. Oh, no problem. Put 50 bucks here, give me her name, I'll take care of it. No problem. Come tomorrow, you're Jewish, you know the joke, no? <laughs> One Jew could not pay the mortgage. So he saw the missionaries go with bunches of cash. They help the people who wants to come to the church on Sunday. They have a lot of money. <laughs> Satan is very rich in this world. He gives the money to his friends. So you know what happened is now, so the Jew, he said, listen, it's very hard to get now help from the synagogue. The synagogue <laughs> is broke. So let me go. Maybe the missionaries will help me. So he comes to them and says, can you help me also? I say, you're Jewish, no? I say, yeah, you still do not. You, know, you don't come on Sundays? Well, okay, I'll make a deal with you. We'll help you in one condition. That you, that's it. You're not going to be a Jew anymore. So, okay, no problem. So listen, we're going to follow you. How are you, you going to know if I'm a Jew or not? He said, we'll follow you on Friday night. We'll see if you eat fish or not. <laughs> if we catch you eat gefilte fish on Friday night, we know you betrayed us. So okay, deal. Give me the money. So they took him to Tiberias, to the Kinneret. They put him in. They put the cross under the water. Go in and out. And the father say, "You're not a Jew. You're not a Jew. You're not a Jew." Oh, his name became Paul. Itzhak became Paul. Fine. Gave him the cash. He went home. Friday night they follow him. They see it's gefilte fish. Says this liar. They broke in. So we caught you. We'll kill you now. I said, what do you want? So you're eating filter fish on Shabbat. You're eating fish. There was, it's against their contract. So it's not fish. So what do you mean it's not fish? We can tell the difference between fish and other things. I'm telling you, it's meat. He said, hey, don't play games with us. First of all, give us the cash back. So I used it already. Listen, you're not going to get away with that. He said, listen, listen, come, I'll show you what happened. He takes them to the shower. See, you see the bat? Say, so see that it's full of water? Say, so yes. Say, so before I ate the fish, I put him three times in the water, and I say, you're not fish. You're not a fish. You're not a fish. You're meat. And now I'm eating meat. What do you want? <laughs> you understand the point here? So... It says like this, the Ramchal continue, even though most people will not steal publicly and they will not dare to take from a pocket of their friend's money. Come on, I'm such a despicable thief, Rabbi. That's what you think of me? I'm dying, I won't do that. So really, it's true. They won't dare to do it. But in business, they will allow themselves to do everything Thinking it's kosher. Don't pay enough commission. Don't tell him about this customer, that, cheating on a, on a thing. Why wow, I'm giving him too much. He eats too much. He works for me. I'm going to deduct it. I'll do it in this way, that way. He caused me damage. He broke this. Because of him, the customer not coming back. He's already building a whole case. You know how many times the Torah warned from being a cheater? Once, lo ta'ashok. One, lo tigzol. 
לא תגנובו, לא תכחשו, לא תשקרו איש באמיתו, לא תונו איש את אחיו, לא תשיג גבול רעך. Right there I told you seven, from the 613. And each one of them you can break into many categories. Soon I'm going to do a lecture about stealing. Maybe in another week or so, we'll see. I, went, I made one part already. I didn't have time to finish the other part. בגמרא אין מסכת סנהדרית סי ואת אשת רעהו לא תימא, פרפית יחזקאל. What does it mean? Did not, did not compete with his friend art, his friend specialty, which means your friend has a store, you go and open right next to him. He has a special, he's a jeweler, same jewelry across the street. He's a barber, a Bukharian barber over here. Somebody called me up, Rabbi, I want to open a barber shop in Manhattan. So what's the problem? Anyway, you work for someone in Manhattan. No, the problem is that it's a little bit close to my boss. What do you mean close? Not really close. It's, you know, it's like a block and a half away. <laughs> Manhattan's such a big place. A block and a half away from his boss. The Satan found him, the location. to make him happy. Why you don't go there? It's enough for everyone. Same thing a, a fisherman, he sits, he catch fish. Why you come with your hook right next to him? The ocean is huge. Go a mile away, right next to his net. Why? He owns the ocean? Ah, his father bought it? I, I don't remember that he has a bill of sale. He owned Tiberias, he owned the Kinner, what's going on here? You tell me where to stand? You're right, I cannot tell you where to sit. But why is such a dirty person? Because you don't have a Munah. You have a Munah, you won't dare to do it. That's without talking about religion, let's call Naval Birshut HaTorah. How do you say Naval in English, Rabbi? <laughs> There's no word for it, because it's legal in English. <laughs> Naval. Who knows what Naval is? Naval is a despicable person. It's kosher? Sure, it's kosher. It's like somebody has a restaurant, and he, you buy from him tuna salad. And then you become sick, and you're almost dead now. Poise, food poisoning. You come to him and say, what did you sell me? So I sold you a kosher food. It's kosher. Yeah, kosher, but three months old. One guy, he bought fish from the market, and it turns that he was spoiled. They tricked him. It smells very bad. So his wife said, throw it away before we die here. He said, you're crazy. It cost me 30 bucks, this fish. He said, what do you want? You want us to die for 30 bucks? He said, no, what about the poor man down the block? <laughs> he, no, he never ate fish, this poor guy. You, okay, leave it to me. He went, he gave him the fish. That The next day he comes to his wife. He said, you heard what happened? What, the, the, the poor man died. You know? So then he went to his funeral. Now he comes home. He's very happy. His wife says, see, I told you this fish is, is a killer. He said, I don't understand what a foolish wife you are. You wanted me to throw this fish to the garbage? Thank to this fish, I made three mitzvot from the Torah. One, I gave donation to the poor. 
Second, I went to visit the sick. Third, I went to participate in the burial of a Jew. Three mitzvot I made, and you want me to throw the fish to the garbage. That's called Naval Virshut HaTorah. By the way, I saw something very interesting. The Ramban, Rabbi Moshe Ben Nachman, 750 years ago, one of the greatest rabbis we had in history, which was also a huge Kabbalist, he wrote the expression Naval Virshut HaTorah. He is the one who has the, the rights on the expression. Up to 750 years ago, nobody had that expression. Naval, a, a despicable person with permission of the Torah. Uh, it's legal, but smells, but stink. That's why they say in America. It's, it's kosher, but it stink. All right? And, there are, and many people do not know that the Ramban, who invented that expression, according to him, this expression is not valid. How can it be? You're inventing an expression, and in the end, you're not holding of it. Because Ramban said that everyone who is a naval birshut Torah is a sinner from the Torah. It's not kosher. It's not kosher. Why? Because it's, it's violating a rule, kdoshim tiyu. Kdoshim tiyu. The Torah said to the Jew, you always must be holy. That's include everything. Everything. Even it looks 100% kosher, but it smells, it's against this, this restriction. You have to be holy. What does it mean to be holy? I am holy. You have to be holy. Is God going to do such a thing to a person? A person come to catch a fish here. He's going to do right next to him? No, it's not, it's not respectable. He's going to send you tuna fish from three months ago? Mix, mix. Mix it. <laughs> In a bagel store. Tell me, is the tuna from today? Of course. He's thinking about the tuna in the fridge that he got today. Well, I'm not lying, Rabbi. I never say lie. When I told him, of course, I had in mind the tuna in the fridge. The streaks. That's called Naval Birshut Torah. That's against, against the, the obligation to be holy. So... Before time will run on, on us, I want to finish chapter 11 here. It says like this. So, uh, the Torah continue. Rabbi Yehuda said to the business people, to the owner of the supermarkets, not to give candies and nuts to the kids because it gets them used to come to them and buy things. It's like bribing them. Come, little boy, come, here is candy for you. Lollipop. Now he likes him. So now when he has some money, where is he going to go? To the nice man who gives me lollipop. So he said, don't give it to them. But then the Chachamim told him, you're right that it's not respect to do such a thing. But since everybody else can do, so it's equal. So it's really not persuading them in any way, because everybody else can give them lollipops and get them a full, fair competition. And then the Torah says, Baba Batra Peichet, 88, page 88 in the chapter of Baba Batra. Kashe gezel idiot mi gezel gavoa. When you steal from God or when you steal from another Jew, what's worse? According to the Torah, 
הקדים חטא למעילה. Stealing from between one person to another is worse than actually taking something that belongs to the holy temple and use it with no permission. הקדים חטא למעילה. And a worker that works for his boss. The Gemara says, פטור from ברכת המזון. ברכת המזון, the blessing of the food, is the most important prayer in Judaism. Because it's an obligation from the Torah. Everything else is rabbinical laws. This is from the Torah directly. You should eat and be full and bless your God. That's what the Torah say. But if you work, in the middle of your work, you want to sit now four or five minutes to make Birkat Amazon, it's stealing from your boss. You're dismissed. What? Yeah, but today it doesn't apply. <laughs> Why? Why? Because today, all you have to do is ask permission from your boss. You know, I'm religious. It's a package deal. You get a good worker, talented, nice, charismatic, but you also get some things with that. I have to, to go to Mincha, 20 minutes. I have to pray a few times a day. I like to eat a lot of bread. <laughs> I know one boss told his employee, why are you eating bread all the time? You need a diet. But in his mind, he doesn't care about his weight. He knows every time he eats bread, it's five more minutes. He sit and pray. <laughs> Don't eat bread too much. It's not good. <laughs> also, the same thing using his phone. Of course, it's not allowed. But if he gave you permission, it's allowed from now on. Understand? Or if your friends come to visit you, you have to ask him. If the boss agree, whatever he agree is not stealing. Hey, you know, my friends sometimes come, they stop by. You don't mind that I talk to them here and there. No? No, it's okay. That's it. Say, no, I don't want you to do it in the middle of work. I don't want to talk private phone calls on, uh, when you're working. Then it's 100% stealing. Or if your friend come and you want to give them a discount, you're not allowed. If the boss gave you a free hand to give discounts to any customer, as long as you don't lose the customers. And he did not set limitations for you. He did not set limitations for you. He said, hey, listen, the price is $1,000 for this camera. But you know, you don't let a customer leave. 700 600 you sell it. Then if your friend comes, what's the difference? The boss already clarified that is good even with 700. So that's okay, you don't need special permission. But if he's a pedantic boss, every little thing by him is killing him, dollar here, dollar there, you gotta be very careful. Better not to work for crazy people like this, because it's a mental disease. People that care about every penny and every dollar, they seek in their mind. Don't deal with them in anything in life. Don't marry them, don't work for them, don't do partnership with them, don't be their neighbor, don't do anything with them. Because no matter what you're going to do, they will always hold it against you. You use the paper a little bit on a toilet paper. You pull, instead of two, you took three. He's already angry. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you. There are people like this. It doesn't matter how many millions he has. It's a mental disease. Also, some people, they're very precise on time. So it's very good. What's better, to be always on time or to be always late, of course, better to be on time. But it has to be normal. If a person is like a, on a second, always is somebody late a minute, he go crazy, that means he has a mental disease. It's not normal. What about the yes, there sometimes? Yeah, no. <laughs> it's a problem. It's a problem. 
And you see how they react. If a person is one minute late, they go crazy. They're going to make a big fight now because the person was two minutes late. You understand what's going on here? So even in Shema, when you work for your boss, what do you have to do? Only the first chapter. That's it. Not Vayayim Shamoa, not Vayomer Hashem. That's the other two. You just say the first one because you're working now. You cannot waste time. You're getting paid. So today there are two solutions. One, to get permission from your boss. Most boss, Jews or non-Jews, will be lenient about it. And if they're not, tell them no problem. You take $5 away from my daily for the time I'm taking here and there, or even $10 take off. Like this, I'm not stealing from your time. That's it. Or I give you extra 10 minutes every day for the time I waste when I pray mincha or for the time I pray, you know, I do extra 15 minutes. Instead of five, I'll leave 520. So you clean. You definitely don't want to owe money to anyone when you leave this world. Then the Ramchal says, Abba Chilkiah. The Gemara brings in Masechet Ta'anit, page 23. There was a rabbi named Abba Chilkiah. Even hello, he did not answer to his students, to the rabbis, I'm sorry, to rabbis who came to say hello to him. He did not even say hello while he was working for someone. Yaakov Avinu, our father Jacob, it says, what did he say to Lavan? Aiti bayom, achalani chore, vekerach balayla, vatidat shnati me'enai. You know, I was a fully devoted servant for you. I didn't sleep nights. I didn't have a moment for myself. I killed myself. I froze. Why? I'm working for you. If a person did a big mitzvah while he was working for his boss, doesn't count the mitzvah. It's mitzvah ba'avera. It's cancelled. Ah, I helped the poor man to cross the street. But you went five minutes away from your time while you're supposed to work. Your boss hired you to work, not to leave the counter and go out. Ma, but nobody was there. This, that. There's always a reason. It's not a mitzvah. If you take stolen food, you, st you stole flour and make bread. You cannot make a mozi on it. Stolen. What are you coming to bless me with stolen good? Steal the flour from the grocery, make a beautiful challah on Shabbat. Shalom. <laughs> the wine is stolen, this is stolen, everything is stolen. Yov, Yov, Yov wasn't a Jew. He was a Goy prophet. But it's a part of the Tanakh. See, there's no discrimination. Prophet, a prophet. There are female prophets, Dvora. Things that she said is in a Tanakh. Goim, what they say, it's in a Tanakh. No discrimination, like some people try to describe it. And this is what Yov say. My heart follow my eyes. And you know, God, that not a penny stuck to my hand without permission. Which means, it's a nice way to say, I never stole a penny. <laughs> you know, a person can come to the public and pretend that he's clean. You know, I never steal, I'm honest, I'm very careful. 
Yes, maybe yes, maybe not. But when you come in 18, Hashem, you know that I'm so honest. You know I never steal. You know you're a thief. <laughs> you're dumb, but you be quiet. If the judge is your father or your uncle, you know exactly who you are. Judge, you know I never touch drugs. <laughs> he just saved you a few times from being dead on the street. He knows who you are. Judge, you know, better be quiet. Better be quiet. But here Yov, and Hashem puts it in a Tanakh, that means it was true. Never stole a penny, this guy in his whole life. Impressive, באמת impressive. To live all your life, not a penny to steal. Why isn't it better to confess Some people break for their sin, they really think it's a mitzvah. The way of the liars, after four, five, seven times that they lie, they begin to believe their lies. Even if you hypnotize them in hypnosis, they'll say that they did that. Good. Which will never happen. Person gets follow his, his words. If you tell your son ten times a day that he's a loser, for sure he'll be a loser. You tell him that he's dumb, he'll be dumb. You tell him he's great, even though he's not so great, in the end he'll be great. You build his confidence. He already will understand that he's great. He won't have the burden of proof for anyone. I don't have to prove. He will take it for granted. I'm great. And then it takes away a lot of pressure. Then always be uh, with, uh, with, with confidence problem and trying to prove myself. This is, a, this is a lot of pressure in the life of a person. I know a few people that they had a very uh, dynamic and successful parents in business. And they got into the business, and they're always busy in their life trying to prove that they can do it on their own. How much they have to struggle to prove that they worth something. That's also a matter of ego. Most of it comes from ego, but it's really a problem. It's called uh, uh, lack of confidence. And the parents are, this is their fault. Yeah, okay, so he continues. He says, people th- sometimes the evil inclination show them permission to cheat the non-Jews. Not allowed. It's actually worse than cheating the Jews. Cheating a non-Jew, it's a bigger sin. It's a double sin. It's the actual stealing or cheating and the Chilul Hashem. To make bad reputation for the Torah. Because the way the Goim are, they see how the Jews behave and that's their understanding. That that's the way the, the religion is supposed to be. I always warn, the religion is not determined based on the behavior of the Jews. Whether they behave nice or not nice, it's irrelevant to the Torah. The Torah, it's a perfect divine book. God and his Torah, it's perfect. Whether the people are perfect or not, depends who you're talking about. Some yes, some no, some half and half, yeah. Nothing to do with the Torah. Person murder, well, it's a mitzvah in the Torah to murder. If a person stole, the Torah say to steal. Person cheat, it's a mitzvah to cheat. A woman is not modest on the street. She calls herself religious. She lives in illusion. That's not what the Torah allowed. So why are you blaming now the Torah for a Jew who violates the Torah? <laughs> it's like a father who begs his son, son, don't touch drugs. Don't touch drugs. Every day, every night, don't touch. And the son da- did it. And now they come to the father. Why you told your son to use drugs? <laughs> well, I'm begging him all my life not to touch it. I can control him. does whatever he wants. The Torah says you should not, you should not, and a person does. Now you come to blame the Torah? Blame the people, don't blame the Torah.
So it says like this. <clears throat> Deceiving, misleading, not allowed to do. Clean mouth, no exaggeration, misleading. For instance, I give you an example. That a person make the sale already, but to make the customer feel good, he said, believe me, I lost money on this deal. Why you have to lie? What, what for? That you sell, you sell it. Believe me, I swear to you in my wife's name. <laughs> I know someone, everything he swear on his wife. She's still alive and he's on a wheelchair like this. Every time, he says, I always swear in the life of his wife. Hashem <laughs> said, okay, Mida can I get Mida? For all his lies. <clears throat> then, when you do negotiations, there's ways to do it. Kosher and non-kosher way. Make sure the person who buy from you or sell to you will be happy even if it costs you a few extra dollars. In a deal, sometimes for another few dollars or few hundred dollars, depending what you buy and sell, you can make the person happy. But you can force him to take another $500 from the sale, but then he will not, he will not be complete in his heart on a transaction. It's better to give him more and make him happy than to force him to, give, to get less and, and make him go home upset. Because remember, we are not just people. We are the children of God. We represent God. It's better not to squeeze a person, better not to take advantage on miserable people. I'll give you an example. Today, the bank takes houses for closure. In an auction, they sell it for last cheaper. There's a big question in the Torah if you even allow, if a Jew is allowed to buy foreclosure. Why? Especially in Israel. Because let's say a person owes half a million dollars to a bank. And the house, the house worth a million. He puts a lot of money in a house, he made extension, he renovated it. One day they come, they take it, and they sell it for 300000 in the auction. So the person put a lot of money in the house. He was behind a few months. They took away the house, they take away the furniture, the chandeliers, this, that. Everything invested in the house. Maybe they even have things. One day they put the lock, that's it, you cannot take anything. You can even have cash there. That's it, you don't have access to the car. They put the lock, if you break in, the police come and put you in jail. So now they take it to the auction, somebody comes and buy it, it's like a thief who robbed a person and come to sell the stolen merchandise and you jump and buy it. It's a big thing. So why it's an argument? It's obvious that it's not allowed. The argument is because the Jew that bought the house signed in advance that if something like this happened, he would let them come and take the house as a collateral. Because he signed, he's buying to his signature. So it's really not, that, even though they're really stealing from him. But if I came to a thief and say to him, listen, give me $1,000. If I don't pay you, you take my car. And the car worth 10000 But since I signed such a foolish agreement because I was in pressure to get the $1,000, when I didn't pay, he got lucky and he comes take the car. If it was a decent person, he would just sell the car and give me the change. But nobody gives the change today. So that's a big argument. For sure, every rabbi agreed that if you're a good, kosher person, you won't come and buy a house that somebody was living there and they threw him to the street. You don't want to benefit from the blood of other people. There are many other ways to make a kosher living. Why to take 
the suffering of one individual and turned it into your profit. It's also a problem of emuna. Emuna, it's all about fate. Fate. You want other people to do it to you? You understand? So this is what's happening. One time, uh, one rabbi came to a family and he saw these five brothers, all of them big rabbis. So he came to one of them and said, can, can you tell me please what was the merit of your father that he have such five sons and all of them huge rabbis? The story in the book of Alenu Leshabeach, Rabbi Zilberstein brought it up. So he said to him, my father wasn't anything special, but one thing was great about him. One time, he found out that his competitor, he was selling uh, furniture, he has a store selling furniture, and he has one main competitor. He found out that his competitor went bankrupt, and they repossessed all his furniture in his showroom. And my father walked in the street, and he saw by the auction that the truck that picked up all the furniture from his competitor arrived, and they're about to unload everything from the truck and sell it for 50% off in the auction. So he came to the workers and he said to them, no, 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 don't, don't, uh, don't touch the truck. How much it would cost me this entire truck? Let's make a deal with the, with the boss over there. What do you mean? You want to buy the whole thing without seeing what's inside? Whatever, let's make a flat deal. He arranged a deal with them. And plus he paid a few hundred dollars for the workers to go back to his competitor and return to him all the furnitures and put it back where they took it from. You understand why well, the kosher Jew is competitor? Is competitor. So he said to him, in my opinion, that's the only reason why God gave five holy ch ch children to, the, to my father. Otherwise, it wasn't anything special, nothing. But this is what he did. That's what I can tell you. So now I understand. One thing you do, it's a great thing. You, it will change your entire life. It will never be the same. It will never be the same. Mamash, before time will run out, a few more minutes. Also, one other common problem, interest. Interest. Charging interest, cheating. No, no, it's not my money. Believe me, I borrowed it from a goy. I borrow it from the goy and I give it to you, so you're paying me, but what, I, what you pay me, I give to the goy. And he makes commission, of course. So interest is also kofer by Hashem. Why? Hashem is getting very upset. And what else? This is what it says, listen good. The Torah says, There's a list of restrictions on forbidden relation. Sometimes the Torah says, do not make the sin directly. Sometimes the Torah says, don't go near her or to make the sin. So it's an extra warning. When a person comes to his son and says, don't touch this. It's poison, don't touch it. And when a person comes to his son and says, don't go near it, that maybe you touch it by mistake. 
which way of the two the boy understands that it's worse? When he said, just don't touch it, or when he said, don't go even near it, that maybe by mistake you touch it. Don't go near it, that means, oh, wow, it's, it's, it's a bigger thing. So sometimes the Torah say, don't go nearer that you make the sin. Sometimes it say, don't violate. Sometimes it say, don't go near, maybe you will violate. What does it mean? So it says like this, Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Al Tomar Oil V'asur Lilishtamesh Ba'isha'a, since I cannot have full relation, intimate relation with the, with the woman, so that's only intimate, full relation, but anything around it is fine. I hug her, kiss her, shake her hands a little bit. You know, that's no problem. The Torah says, don't make the sin. Kiss, the same way a nazir, what we say in English, monk, I don't know if it's the right word, someone who forbid things for himself that he cannot touch. Same thing a, a nazir say that he will never drink wine, he is not allowed to eat grapes, whether they wet, whether they dry, raisins. It's not allowed the seeds of the grapes. Anything that relates to the grape tree, is not allowed. Same thing this woman. The actual scene is the full relation. But anything around it, such as touching and this and this and that, is just as bad. That's why the Torah said, do not go near. Same thing over here when it comes to money. If a person will go near all these things, he will fall into it. The idea is not to fall into that industry where everyone is a crook there. Oh, in my business, there's no other way. So what are you doing there? There's no other way. You cannot sell one house in our business without doing this and this and that. You're not going to be able to fix one thing without saying this and this and that. You're not going to be... So what are you doing there? A Jew is not belong there. Find a different way. People think, well, there's no other way. There is other way. You don't belong there. Find a different job, but I'll make half of what I make now. Better to make half kosher than a lot not kosher, that in the end you have to return with interest and still get punished. It's all an illusion. You don't understand. What is it like? A person, his father told him, I left you a million dollars in a safe. But it was a lie. Didn't really leave him. <laughs> the safe belongs to the neighbor. <laughs> Just found a combination. So there's a camera there. So every day he comes, you take 100, 500, 300. Feels great. Sweet. Wow, I don't have to work. Son, you want a new car? Take a bunch, new car. One day, the neighbor seen a camera. Half a million is gone. Police, FBI, come, cameras, television. This is a thief. Taking, 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 thinking it's mine. Look, I bought, I, I'm enjoying, I'm eating. It's only temporary illusion. Do you think it's yours? In the end, there's going to be a big embarrassment for it. You have to return. It doesn't pay. Okay, now, Bezrat Hashem, we didn't finish this chapter. This chapter goes with many other interesting examples. We will finish it, Bezrat Hashem, I believe, next week. We'll be able to finish chapter 11. There's a lot of beautiful things here. And uh, I'm going to mark certain things to make it more interesting for next week, Bezrat Hashem. Any questions so far about what we spoke before we end? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
anything. Yeah, Dina Hutain what? Oh, so, you know, so like I said, since they signed, it makes it official by Dina de Malchuta Dina, but... Yeah, 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 no, I know, so this is the, that's why I say it's machloket, there's an argument. Some say allowed, some say not allowed, some use this example of Dina de Malchuta Dina, but uh, Rav Yashiv, Rav Yashiv, is not allowing it. Otsa'a la'poal in Israel, say 100% not allowed to buy from them. And even the... The answer that the Rav gave, with this, knowing it obviously, still not permitted. But other rabbis disagree. So it's a big argument. Not everything is black and white. Some things is open for an argument. This was one of the things that opens for an argument. But Rav Eliash, he was the biggest posek in the world, at least by the Ashkenazi world, uh, which needs refuah lema now. He is for 100%, he says, Psak Alacha, not allowed to buy. But Rav Wozner and some other, Rav Ovadia Yosef, not always agree. We depend on the situation and depend. But uh, sometimes it's not allowed even if you know the thief will sell it to somebody else. Because there are two things here. One is Lifneiver, and if he has a different customer, then it's no Lifneiver. But still, there's a sur de Rabbanan of Mechazek Yedeh of Reavera. Plus, over there, Rav Eliashiv posted that there are 100% Gazlanim, the thief, the, the, the sheriff that comes, he works for the government, but the governments are thieves. They're not following the laws of the Torah. You have to understand, sometimes a person goes to a secular court and he participates in a corrupted system that contradicts the laws of the Torah. That's a very bad sin. Hashem said that the thief that stole $100 has to return 200 and he goes home, and you as a lawyer or as a judge in a secular court in Israel or in New York, so send the Jew to three years in prison for stealing when Hashem say no, just give him a fine and send him home. So you're violating the rules of the Torah and you become a very big criminal. It's like murdering an innocent person. That's everybody understand. But many people don't understand that even if you're a judge in a secular rule, in a secular court, or a lawyer, defense lawyer, or prosecutor, and you reached 100% justice accidentally also according to the Torah. Through the secular, secular rules, you're just as guilty as before. You're disgracing the name of God by sitting there before you even open your mouth. It's nothing to do, oh, I sent an innocent person. Of course, he's spilling his blood. Even though he's not innocent, he made a crime, that's why he's in court, but his crime in relation to the punishment you gave him is no logic. You understand? So, even if it's 100%, for instance, landlord and tenant, so the tenant didn't pay, and even according to the Torah, he owes the money and he has to leave the house. So in a bed, in the same, they do they rule the same thing. You don't need to be a genius to know. And you did it without permission from the Beidin. If the Beidin send you to the court because they have the police working for them, the only way to get the tenant out is to use the police, then it's a different story. You got a note. But if you just do it directly without caring what the Beidin has, and you reach 100% justice, this person who left the house cannot complain, oh, you took me to a Goy court. Because in the Beidin it will be the same verdict. Still a big sin. A person like this cannot be a part of the minyan, cannot come out of ten. If he's in a shul with his yamaka and nice beard, 
cannot be counted as one of the ten. It's horrible restrictions against him. You cannot marry children, you cannot accept them to school, you have to make him leave town. He's in a complete ban. You understand? Because he's working, he's disgracing the name of God in a secular court that everything they care is the laws of the goyim. Nothing by the Torah. Every law of the Torah, not only they don't care, sometimes they even make fun. They think they're genius, wow. The judge in a secular court, he knows so much. Whatever they ever know, it's not one thousand of a percent than the Rambam or than Rav Eliashiv. Take any judge you know in the world, any judge. Do you know one judge who know one percent of the knowledge of Rav Eliashiv? Show me one like this. I give you whatever you want. One percent of his knowledge, not sixty percent. That's impressive. One percent. Do you know a judge who learned 96 years, 20 hours a day straight. There's anybody like this in the world? Find me and judge in a court, in a Supreme Court, in Israel, in Europe, in America, anywhere that learn 96 years minimum, 20 hours a day for 96 years. And the hardest learning. Find one. How many years they learn? 15, 20, three hours here, four hours there, 10 hours there, that's it. <laughs> and they learn in holiness. Non-stop. No. Understand? So you compare this to this. I tell you something. Rav Moshe Feinstein had an argument with another posek. Two big rabbis arguing about the law. Rav Moshe Feinstein says something and the other posek say the opposite. And then the other posek say to Rav Moshe Feinstein, my opinion is the opinion of the Torah. It's Dati Hidat Torah. It's the opinion of the Torah. And Rav Moshe Feinstein asked him, how Kvodo knows, how you know that your opinion is 100% the opinion of the Torah? So guess what he answered him? What he said to him, I learned more Torah than you know. You are big in the Torah, I'm big in the Torah. We both we have very sharp brain. We're not competing one with each other. It's nothing personal. Guess what he answered him that Rav Moshe Feinstein backed up right away. He told him, all my life, I was an old man, I never opened any book besides Holy Torah books. Never opened one secular book in my life. Nothing. Only holy books. That's why when I think and I reach a verdict, I know it's the opinion of the Torah, because I don't have any other opinion mixed in my conscience. I didn't learn in college, and I didn't read book, and I never read newspaper, religious newspaper. <laughs> I'm not talking secular that have naked ladies there. <laughs> that they know, they're not, they're not touching this. Talking religious newspapers, religious. Never touch that. All I did is Torah, Gemara, Kabbalah, Shulchan Aruch, Poskim, and that's it. I don't know any other book. I never held in my hand. The argument was over. Understand? This is the people we about to lose them. That's it. The few like this left in the world. I heard Rav Steinman went to the hospital also today, 99 years old. I told you a few months ago, I told you. We have few like this in the world left. That's it. The youngest among them is 92 years old. That's it. Now we have, we, 
The bad news, we're losing these holy giants and we'll never have anyone in their level, even half of their level anymore, that's for sure, because the world dropped tremendously in a spiritual level in the last 30 years, nothing to compare. But the good news, every bad may have good with that, depend. The good news is that one of the conditions before the Messiah will arrive is that all the big giant Chachamim will be gone from the generation. That's one of the conditions. And Ben David Ba, still have about six, seven, ten. That's it. But they're all older than 92. One is very sick in a hospital. Another one was taken to the hospital. The other ones are not in great health. When you're in your 90s, what do you expect? So who knows? Maybe it's a few more years, maybe more. But we are in a... You know how they say in the soccer game, Dakatish im. We are now, that's it. The, the original time is over. Now it's the extra time that the referee adds in a minute or two. That's where we are now. Before the shofar will be held. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.